0: Uh, it's simply not true. <coughs> I wouldn't uh, choose an axiom saying that everybody, without exception, everywhere, under any circumstances, will put a lower valuation on the future good than on the present. This is maybe true in the majority of the examples, but there are exceptions and important. Uh, exceptions among them. So...
1: Yeah. Um, yeah I, I don't... I mean, my impression is that that, uh, that exactly future time preference, because they value a good in the future less, they want some sort of compensation for that, or some some added benefit for that. And then that is then the interest rate, and this is... Oh, but is... the
2: compensation that you would get is dependent on another thing. You can't just have. You can't just have. It's 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 dependent on a productivity thing, a spatial thing. You know, you know. It's it's not. It's not something that exists out of nowhere.
1: No, no, of course. This is subjectively. If 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 I ask you if I I could uh, borrow one hundred euros for you and and until one month in one month, and uh, and and you would. I would ask you what would what have to give you an addition in one month? I one would look at years? how
2: productive my capital is and I'll say, Right, it's five hundred percent because I'm a very productive guy, you know.
1: Okay, yeah and
2: because I can see an arbitrage between the, the 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 borrowing market, the bond market and the capital market, which means that if you want money from me you'll have to pay me five hundred percent because I'm okay. I've got productive so, so things
1: would be the, the interest rate in percent
2: But the point is, though, that you need the productivity reference in order to say that you have an interest rate. You can't just have one end. You have to have both ends of the market, the bid and the offer. Mm-hmm. You don't just have one end. That's the yes, most yes, basic yes. thing that he broke of Mengers. Yes. You know, I mean...
0: No, it's no such a simple this, thing. This, yeah, it's, uh, this is, can, this can I suggest that... Um, what, what you seem to be talking about is a concept of a market interest rate, and what you seem to be talking about is a is a concept of a of, of interest. Uh, 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 I would say marginal interest rate, but I guess it's marginal interest rate. It's it's specific to your productivity or what you can do. Uh, um,
2: exactly, with money, yeah.
0: during the time where a preference is considered for the interest
2: rate. Hopefully I'm not marginal.
0: <laughs> Otherwise there'll be very high interest rates. <laughs> no, uh, let me put in my... Yeah, uh, yeah. Could you... Yeah. I, I am referring to uh, Sandeep's lecture, the first part this afternoon, when he explains why the... Uh, the uh, question of marginal productivity of capital is a little bit more delicate than the marginal productivity of labor, and he talks about the unit value, blah blah blah. So I ask you to draw uh, something something very simple, a very simple tool, and I couldn't think of a simpler tool than a screwdriver. Okay. So please, on the left side, you draw a screwdriver. Okay. All right. Now, on the right side, let's think of something really complicated, which is a complete factory, complete with. So just a factory with a chimney, a, a smoke stack. Okay. You see. Now. They are both material factors of production, and you can see that the addition or the increase in output, which is a consequence of introducing a new screwdriver, is relatively small in comparison with uh, installing a complete factory, which is huge in comparison so it's not like lining up individual workers you can't talk about half a worker you know you just take in and compare their productivity that's fine but when you have such discrepancies as you have between the screwdriver and the complete factory if you don't like factoring, you can think of something very complex, like a, a jet airliner or something. You know, uh, which, in comparison with a screwdriver, is just infinitely, almost infinitely more complex. That you you have to do something. Now, this is what you do. I don't know if you have elaborated on that, but I think you want to remember this. What you do is you take the increment in output of one and divide it by the total cost of installing that (coughs) screwdriver. Buying it and putting it in the hand of the worker. That costs money. So you have to divide the increment by the, the, the value, the price of that tool. And the same there. You look at the increment which installing this new factory gives to total output, but you've got to divide it by the actual cost of building it stocking it, putting the machines in, and so on, you see? And then you have something which you can compare, right? And it could happen, and it does happen very often, and that's the interesting point, that they build a factory and it creates a loss. And then you come with something as simple as a screwdriver This means negative contribution, you see? And you come with something as simple as a screwdriver and that gives you a small but still positive contribution. So that's why you have to say, which which makes it a you know, so much more complicated to introduce the idea of marginal productivity of capital in comparison with the marginal product of labor, because you have to normalize, you have to normalize the contribution of these uh, uh, hugely different uh, material factors of production. And it could be, I don't know, I'm just guessing, that Mises thought it over and then he said gee to write it down is very cumbersome people won't understand it anyhow (laughs) so why go into the effort of putting it down in writing he never did as far as i can uh, tell he did write down and i showed you the book in uh, the anti-capitalist mentality uh, the uh, uh, marginalism the method of marginalism how the concept of marginal productivity of labor is formed he did write it down we had to make some adjustments some correction but the important idea is his it's Mises's idea that he used marginalism to describe how the concept of marginal productivity of labor arises. But if you compare this to the same uh, method of marginalism which creates this other concept, the marginal productivity of capital, then because of this normalization, it's it's really more complicated, and if you don't normalize then of course it doesn't make sense because, pre, you know, uh, th- th- there are such huge differences in uh, the cost of uh, coming up with a new material <coughs> factor of production. So how can you compare? You are comparing apples and oranges. But no, you normalize and then you have Two things which are very comparable, and there you can rank only after normalization. That's what I wanted to add to uh, Sandeep's presentation of the marginal productivity of uh, capital.
3: Yes? Sometimes the theorists go off on a tangent. Ah. I spent 30 years building machinery, and to answer your question about shears or cutting, Yeah, we build shears, mechanical shears, it's very easy to compare. How many parts can you cut per hour, per day, versus the other machine? And all this stuff can be shrunk down to one number called return on investment. Or even simplified, how many years to pay back? If we buy a machine and it takes 10 years to pay it off, this machine A, and machine B takes five years to pay it off, that's what we're going to buy. And if it takes two years to pay it down, it's a no-brainer, you must do it. So all this stuff can be done and your thing about the interest I, I'd like to kind of get down to the fundamental things between gold and a bond there's a time preference but there's not a really a, a definite ceiling because let's say you have zero interest there'll be no bonds nobody's going to lend money at zero interest right except maybe to your son or your family as interest rates go up more and more people will buy bonds, because it makes sense. And then, guess what? There's no more gold. Because there's only so much gold, it's fixed quantity and so much available for investment. And what if interest rates keep rising? What's going to stop it? Well, that's where this other mechanism kicks in. Suddenly, interest rates are so high that anybody would rather get out of equipment, out of machinery, and just buy a bond. So you're gonna be buying bonds and selling equipment that is bringing down uh, the capital invested in machinery or in farms or in anything, which would then tend to equalize this even more. So you've got a positive ceiling on interest rates, whereas time preference doesn't give you a positive ceiling. So let me give you an example. If, if my machine can earn 10% net, 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 and the interest rates are 5%, Someone who's got $100,000 to invest, say, hmm, I can buy a machine and make 10% or buy a bond and make 5%. Well, odds are that's double, you're going to go for it. But suppose interest rates are 9% and all you can earn on your machine is 10% and you take a risk, what if the machine doesn't work, what if my stuff, I'm going to go with a 9% rate and just buy the bond or suppose interest rates are actually higher than the, the productivity of that capital. So, this is setting a positive scene. Um,
0: okay, it's past six minutes? o'clock. Take I, one I, more question. I didn't want to
1: address all this. I mean, what I understand is that um, you don't just want to define interest as as whatever two market actors decide one with the cost of, 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 of the credit, essentially to decide on the cost of, of the loan. Uh, but you also want to find out what are the opportunity costs, uh, as you said in your case, because you know. You, so good in investing that uh, you know what would be the opportunity to cost of these 100 euros, and you want to go deeper into that. And, um, I, I don't see it, it being uh, contrary to what he's said in any way. And we'll discuss that fashion. later. And let me just say, to, uh, just another comment concerning a negative argument for gold. Well, I am not sure, he might as well have made made such a well, I'm pretty sure he, he said something like this. Um, I think this is more due to because he was actually. In with the mainstream and the mainstream are always saying that gold is, you know, a thing of the past and not good. Um, but uh, definitely, my my and the people at the Mises Institute, we, we get positive reasons for uh, for well, actually, just explanations of the positive um, uh, characteristics uh, of, of gold and which unique characteristics. And uh, then, just the question is, what what is your definition of the gold standard? We don't have time for that uh, now. We'll go through it
2: later on, but we, we don't have time for that now. Does anyone else have any more uh, questions? Last last question. If nobody else has a question.
4: Okay, go ahead. It's about uh, what Professor Fequete, what you mentioned on time preference. Uh, I mean, it's really surprising to me that you would say that time preference is not an axiom, in the sense that every axiom in economics has to be a of parinus, axiom so yes ice I mean ice is not valued in the winter but it's because the market the, the circumstances have dramatically changed. But if I tell you do, do you prefer ice this summer or next summer? I prefer it this summer when I have heat now. So in that sense I don't see how time preferences I mean how can it not be an axiom if you do not have it as an axiom, then you're saying that people... I mean, it, I mean time preference is the ceiling, in, in the sense that if there's no time preference, then um, everybody will always be saving.
2: I've got a point to that. Would you rather have... say you have a hundred ounces of gold, okay. Okay. would you rather have that back in one year or ten years?
4: One year, of course.
2: There's nothing axiomatic about that. Why not? Because it's a subjective preference. I mean, it 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 might seem true for everyone, which it probably is, <laughs> but that's no reason to take it as an objective axiom.
0: I have a more convincing example, which I discussed at great length in the spring here in Munich. The uh, construction of an observatory at a mountain top, remote mountain top. There are two things necessary. One is the building which contains the telescope and the other the telescope itself. (laughs) And I I suggested through this example that if you deliver the telescope (laughs) too early, say half a year earlier than the building is ready to receive it and house it and protect it then uh, you are going to uh, have to worry about insurance against uh, all kinds of uh, untoward things including uh, the weather and, uh, uh, and damage, whatever. You've got to have The delivery dovetailed with the uh, other factor, with the building and the delivery of the telescope. Mm -hmm. So it's not true that the future value of the telescope is lower than the present value. But
4: what it means is that I prefer the complete telescope earlier than the complete telescope later. I mean, evidently, if yes. I if I could have hired an additional company to build it faster, you're right. Then Look, I would have preferred. I don't
0: to want work. to rehash it here. That was my example. You think about it, and uh, you know, uh, this is not our major point. But before we close for today, I would like to go back to my earlier lectures. Could you find the charts of yes. the price and uh, the unit price? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you say, you see, I start, I started pointing out that the early quantity theorists suggested that the price and the unit price behaved according to the top two charts, linear, because it's a line, straight line, and then the marginal utility or the unit price is going to be a horizontal line. Now, that's the thing which Menger did. He pointed out that this was wrong, that's not how the market behaves. And then he went through the proper thing, the non-linear explanation. And then he ranked all the commodities, all, and actually you can throw in even paper assets, but that's going uh, off tangent. So you can rank all the commodities, all the substances which we have according to the rate of decline in the unit price or more generally, the marginal utility. And you rank, you give the higher rank to which one? With the greater decline or with the smaller decline? Smaller. Which will get the higher rank? Small. Of course, of course. Because if the if decline's fast, it means it's, it's not a good substance. You want to make a measuring rod right so you rank them all and take the top one which declines the most slowly in comparison with all the others and there's no question that this is your choice for the material out of which you want to manufacture a measuring rod for value there's just no question I mean, I don't care if, uh, you know, they have debates on that for decades. I don't care. It's just too obvious that the only suitable material out of which you want to manufacture a measuring rod, if it comes to measuring value, is this top guy in the ranking of declining marginal utility. And in fact, if given time i'm not saying this will happen overnight but certainly through hundreds of years or even thousands of years the uh, the uh, top guy whatever it is we all know what it is but for the moment let's pretend we don't whatever it is is going to way outrank all the others maybe with the exception of one or two others, because people will flock into that. They want something which is stable as far as value is concerned, and they are going to hoard that and not hoard the other one which has a fast declining marginal utility. So, in the end, the rate of decline will be actually so small that, for all practical purposes, it will be constant. Constant and non-zero marginal utility. I have to add the word non-zero because zero marginal utility is very common. Constant and zero. Because if you reach your, what I call satiation point, it's not saturation, it's satiation. Could you mm-hmm. say, Satiation point is the point where you say, I have enough. I don't want another one. If you uh, buy one Sanskrit grammar, you have reached your satiation point because you don't need a second one unless you are a book seller. okay? And there are lots of other things that if you have one and a spare one, that's it, you don't want any more because no point in carrying... Uh, you know, uh, duplicating something which you already have. So, when you reach your satiation point, adding another one is not going to increase utility. And therefore you have reached zero constant marginal utility. After that, every additional one would add zero to your utility. That's a very common experience. That. You, You know, sooner or later you will reach your satiation point. But, to reach constant marginal utility, which is non-zero, is something quite different, because it means that you will practically never reach your satiation point. You get more and more and more, and you still want more or would accept more, you know? So what is this substance with a constant non-zero marginal utility?
3: Money. What? Real money. Real money. Real money.
0: money. money Uh, Which is? Go. Go, name it. (laughs) Don't be shy. (laughs) Name it. And what's the second one? Silver. Silver. And then a big big gap, and then you might mention copper and uh, and platinum and so on. Even platinum, although a precious metal, is not coming anywhere near to silver and gold, you know. And I'm not talking about the price of platinum, which is of course high, much higher than the price of silver. But the fact that if you accumulating platinum you will reach your satiation point much sooner than if you keep accumulating silver and especially gold. Okay now here is the thing and that's the last thing we say today but take it with you and think about it. Here is the exception where the early quantity theorists were right for this particular commodity whatever it is it happens to be gold i i didn't invent it mises didn't invent it nobody invented it, it just happened after thousands of years that gold was kicked up to the high level where its uh, marginal utility became non-zero constant is Mm. is the first chart, first two, okay? First two, the utility of gold is linear and the marginal utility is constant and non-zero. Otherwise expressed, the price of gold is linear and that's the practically the only commodity for which it is true and the marginal utility is constant and non-zero. So it, after all, it does happen, but only in the most exceptional case, even for silver, I think you could argue with that, that it's not linear. The utility of silver is close to linear, but still not linear, and its marginal utility is close to constant non-zero, but it's still not exactly the right, but for gold it is. We just cannot imagine a situation where the marginal utility of gold uh, would decline, unless you think about uh, cataclysmic events such as atomic war or pestilence which wipes out half of the human race or something extreme. Aliens coming with gold. Alien, yeah. (laughs) So that's the last thought I want you to take with you that this, I did not cross this out. I could, in giving my lecture, first lecture this morning, I could have said, wrong, throw it out. I didn't do that because there is one exception. But you have to go through all this analysis to come up with that. And this is an evolution which took thousands of years. You see, and man had to learn to convert wealth, income into wealth, wealth into income, where you get old, you no longer generate the necessary income to have a comfortable life, so you have to go to your hoards, whatever you hoarded for old age, and draw it down and make your life pleasant, the last years of your life. As you get older, as I do, you will find that out more and more, that you think about it, how can I preserve whatever little I have to stretch it out so that while I live I don't have to go desperately poor, which uh, most of the people are doing. So, uh, sorry about that, but I thought I would add this to complete Whatever we did discuss earlier in the day. Thank you very much.
2: Thanks very much, Professor.